Thank you, worship team. You can't think of a more per- perfect way to spend Sunday. Uh, I hope to flow right into the good work the Spirit has been doing and, and not to steal the moment. So we're going to do a short two-part series here. We're calling it The Essentials of the Faith That We're Not Getting. And uh, it's a forgiveness of sins. The reason why we're doing this is because we have a men's breakfast here at the church. We meet on first and third Saturday mornings. Any men who would like to join us, please do so. Uh, First and third Saturday mornings. Now, right now, we're having a great time. We are going through the book of Matthew, and that's what we're doing first and third Saturdays. But for the last two years, we were going over our essentials of our faith. We're going through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only son. Okay, we went through the Apostles' Creed word by word, one word at a time. took us two years. Two years. You're like, oh, sorry I missed that. Uh, It really was cool. But when we got to the words, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, I would do what I thought was a fantastic presentation of Christ's forgiveness and the cross and redemption. And then as we were winding up, somebody would stick their hand up and say, yeah, but, yeah, but God is still angry with us. Yeah, but uh, we have to repent or he doesn't forgive our sins. And that means we have to stop doing it. And yeah, but, so he'll only forgive us how many times, and then he, and then he stops forgiving us, because we're obviously not really sorry. Yeah, but God didn't used to be that way in the Old Testament. He's really mean. So I think, well, I guess we'll have to do it again next time. We were stuck on forgiveness of sins for two months. That's four meetings. That's four hours on the forgiveness of sins. Good guys, smart guys, holy guys. When talked about the cross, just... I don't know. Sounds too good to be true. So I thought, well, if there's, there's a little blood poisoning circling, cir- circulating in the hand over here at men's breakfast. I wonder if it maybe hasn't gotten into the whole body. So that's what we're here to find out. I'm going to give a presentation very similar to the one I gave to them about the forgiveness of sins. And then you will have an opportunity during the message, shortly following the message, to submit your yeah buts. So you were given a card when you came in, right, in your program questions. You can be filling that out while I'm talking or immediately after and give that to an usher. If you'd rather, you can go on the Lakeland app. This is what they were talking about. So you go on the Lakeland app, you press forms. Under forms, you'll find one that says questions about forgiveness. When you push that, you just get an empty square. You can type in paragraph style, whatever you want to type in there. So if you're wanting to text your friend on a Sunday morning, this is great. Everyone will think you're just submitting a really long question. So, but you can, you can put in there questions that you have. You can put there challenges that you have. Yeah, but you can put there concerns that you have. If you don't really like this illustration, all right. And then next week, I have no sermon prepared. I got nothing. So what I'll do is I'll take these forms that you submit online or the cards that you leave with the ushers and we will craft something around those responses. And here's why. This is the foundation of the Christian faith, the grace and forgiveness of sins. It's only everything. So if our foundation has got cracks in it, whatever we build on it this year as a church will collapse. If the good news we're sharing really isn't good news, if the picture of God we're sharing really isn't God, Done before we start. 
you're going out to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, and you're sharing a falsehood. So we want to build a strong community here. And we want to base it on the forgiveness of Christ on the cross. So that's why we're going to make sure our foundation is secure this week and next week. So what I'm going to show you is an illustration called the gospel in chairs. So I have, you know, two folding chairs. These chairs will demonstrate the gospel and forgiveness of Christ. Now, I did not invent this illustration. Uh, My English teacher tells me if you cite your sources, it's not plagiarism because this thing's really plagiarized. So here's what you're about to see was, uh, as far as I can tell, first created by Father Anthony Carbo. He's an Orthodox priest. A guy from the, I think the Midwest, Steve Robinson, saw it, and then he told Pastor Brian Zond of St. Joseph about it. I saw Pastor Zond do this twice, and it's also on YouTube, so now I've seen it like 20 times. And and that's what you're going to see. So I did, not, I did not create what you're about to see. What you're going to see is two versions that are kind of out there of the grace of God. Now, the first one I'm going to show you is actually, by Christian standards, modern, meaning about the 1500s. So the first version of the cross I'm going to show you is modern by Christian standards. We think of something from the 1500s as brand new. <laughs> but uh, okay, so it's, it's more modern what you're going to see. It's more Western meaning it's popular in churches in England and America, but not so much churches in other parts of the world. And it's very judicial. That means that it paints a picture of a, like a courtroom kind of scene where God is, the, God is the judge and humans are convicted criminals. And that's the first version. The second version I will then show you, I believe is more ancient than the 1500s. I believe it's more biblical. And I will try to demonstrate that with numerous Bible stories. And it is more restorative. So rather than a judge and convicted criminals, you'll see a story of a father trying to uh, reconnect with lost children. Now I could stop right there and say, which did you hear about more from Jesus? A judge and criminals or a father and lost children? But, But let's get the whole illustration out and see what we think. So first let me show you the the more modern more Western, more judicial version of the gospel. I bet this is very familiar to you. Okay. In the beginning, God created man to have fellowship with him and to reflect his glory in the garden. But in order to make this uh, love real, this obedience real, he had to give man free will because love not chosen isn't love and obedience not built in is not really obedience. So he gives man free will. And as we know from the story, humanity, man, used their free will to turn away from God, to sin. And now man becomes guilty of transgressing God's law, of sinning. Because God is so holy, he cannot even be in the presence of sin. Because God is so pure and righteous, he cannot even look on sin. And so God turns away from man. Now, even though God had to do that because of his righteousness, he is at his core loving. And so he comes in the person of Jesus to show us a better way and to bring us back and restore this relationship and cure this guilt problem. So at the end of his life, Jesus is crucified. Now, in that moment, Jesus takes our place. Jesus takes the place of humanity before God. And so at the moment of his crucifixion, God puts all the sin of humanity on Jesus. God makes Jesus into sin. God uh, then lets Jesus experience the full wrath 
that is deserved for human sin. Jesus has taken our place. And because God is so holy, he cannot look on sin. So righteous, he cannot be in the presence of sin. God does something quite unthinkable. He turns away from his own son. And his son experiences death and receives the full wrath of God, the penalty on sinners. Now, because Jesus did that, the rest of humanity is protected from the wrath of God. Martin Luther in the 1500s says, we are now made into snow-covered dung. Other pastors have said, uh, Jesus became our asbestos suit against God's fiery wrath against sinners. That is, if you believe that's what Jesus did, if you don't believe that's what Jesus did, then you are condemned to hell. So this is the first picture. Modern came about strongly in the 1500s. Popular in churches in, in America and Europe. I mean, you, a lot of you probably say, I grew up on that. I'm saying, I, I grew up on I mean, I've heard this a lot in sermons and books and Christian things that I have seen. In fact, if you go to some of my sermons, if they're more than 10 years old, I might say something like this. So, so don't listen to any of my sermons that are more than 10 years old. Okay. Now, there's another version I want to show you. And some of you are asking, well, what else are you going to say but what you just said? Let me show you. In fact, I think you'll find this isn't that unfamiliar to you. What we've actually been doing, you and I, is believing two things at the same time that actually don't fit together very well. Watch. Okay, so here's another version. I believe this is more ancient. I hope to demonstrate it's more biblical. And it's got a different feel. In the beginning, God created man to reflect his glory, to live with him in fellowship in the garden. No different so far. In order to make that love authentic and that obedience real, he gives man free choice. Man uses that free choice to turn away from God. Here comes our first difference. Rather than saying what's happened here is now God's guilty of, of breaking God's law and he's got to pay, what really is probably happening here is God made man and gave man some care instructions for his own soul and for all of creation. But man turned away because he thought living God's way is a drag. I bet I can do it better. I bet I'm that smart. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right. And so now what happened is man has, is now walking down a path toward death. When we try to live in God's world, not God's way, it just leads to death. This is how man has lost eternal life. It can't go anywhere but toward death now because he's walking in the wrong direction. So what God is trying to do is bring man back. So God comes in the person of Jesus. In the person of Jesus, God comes to say, I am becoming human to heal humanity. And so we have a woman sitting by a well. She's so given in to ways of death and, and a lifestyle of futility that she has been married five times. And the, the guy she's living with now, she's just living with him outside of marriage. She's so poorly thought of in her culture for, for living this way that she has to go get her water in the heat of the day. If she shows up at this well in the morning or the evening when the rest of the village women are there, They'll talk, they'll shun her, they'll treat her really badly. But God comes. God comes and sits right beside her. And he says, I'll be your friend. I'll love you. 
In fact, I'll tell you about your whole life and what you've done. I am the living water. He who drinks from me will never thirst again. Here's a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. A lot different than what you think of now, or maybe not so different. But uh, Roman tax collectors were, were, were local people. So Zacchaeus is Jewish. And they'd reach out to these local people. They'd say, hey, collect the money your people owe us. And whatever you collect for yourself above that, you can keep for yourself. And if they won't pay it, we'll back you up with military police. So Zacchaeus is part of a system now where he robs his own people. Nobody likes this guy. Nobody wants to hang out with this guy. You don't want to invite this guy over to your house. He might see how many pots you have and tax you for it. Nobody, he's short too, the scripture says. And we all know how short guys get. So nobody likes Zacchaeus. He's got something to compensate for. So, so but he's climbing up in a tree one day because a popular rabbi is passing by. Turns out the rabbi is Jesus. Jesus goes to the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to go eat with you. Now they sit down there and we don't know what they say because the scripture doesn't tell us. But at the end of it, whatever they said, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to pay back everybody I've ever cheated four times what I took. And I'm going to give the rest of what I've earned to the poor. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house today. And didn't he already know it? Here's a woman who's been caught in adultery. Was she cheating on her husband or cheating with some other gal's husband? We don't know, but she's been caught, and the penalty is she's going to be stoned. So all the village guys, they grab her, and they're dragging her out to stone her, and uh, God comes. They throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus stoops down, and he's just riding in the dirt. He says, all right, you're right, she did it, stone her. But let the, the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Well, all the old guys who have had a lot of life to think over, they drop their stones and walk away first. And then the middle-aged guys do a little thinking, and they drop their stones and walk off. And then the young guys are all charged up and ready for something. Even they kind of figure out they don't belong there. Jesus says, woman, who condemns you? She says, no one. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Now get up and sin no more. Here's a man who's so given to the ways of futility and death that somehow he's got himself possessed by an entire legion of demons. He is living in a graveyard at the edge of town. He has lost his mind. He doesn't wear clothes. He tore those off and has run around naked a long time ago. Who knows what he's eating out there living in a graveyard? Scriptures say he takes shards of clay pots and cuts his own skin. Everyone's terrified of this guy. They don't even go to that graveyard anymore because that's where the crazy guy lives, except for his own father, who shows up every once in a while to feed him because it's his son. But, but God comes. Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee to sit with this guy. And the healing Jesus brings casts out a legion of demons. And when the guy's father comes to bring his kids something to eat, he sees him sitting there. He's dressed. He's talking. He's eating and drinking regular food with Jesus. Here's a guy who's so, he's been caught in the death that's consuming all humanity, the futility that's taken over creation. He was born paralyzed. 
And everybody wags their tongue about him. I I wonder what sin he committed and why God paralyzed him. But God comes. And God kneels down beside him and says, Son, it wasn't about that. Your sins are forgiven. Now stand up and walk. Jesus even told a story about a prodigal son who ran off and spent his father's fortune got crazy prostitutes drunkenness what a waste he decides that after he's starving to death he'll come home he says I won't even ask my father to treat me like a son I just want to live out in the servant quarters gets halfway down the road Jesus says the father comes runs out to him says my son is home put the ring on his finger get him a robe make a feast he was lost and now he's found And someday, every one of us, because we're human, will walk right into death. Futility and death will take us. But Jesus says, I hold the keys to death, hell and the grave. Jesus says, I am greater than death. I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus, slain on the cross, pursues us even into death. Now there is literally nowhere you can go in the universe that God is not there. God comes, even into the grave, to defeat the grave. Even when we dragged Jesus into a courtroom with false witnesses, put a crown of thorns on his head to make fun of his claim to be king, dragged him out and nailed him to the cross as a thanks for showing up for us. What's he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I am the resurrection and the life. There is, flowing from God, a fiery river of passion for us. Now, if you see that fiery river coming at you and you respond to it with love, you will see it is a river of love. It is light to guide you in the way to live. It is warmth to protect you in the cold places of this life. If you respond to that fiery passion coming at you with rebellion and sin and refusal, it will feel to you like the burning fires of hell. Paul told us it was like this. He said, be kind to your enemies. Be good to those who persecute you. But I'm telling you to them, it will feel like you're heaping hot coals on their head. Love's painful when you don't want it. But if you respond at any time to God's love with love, all that fiery passion, you come to see it for what it is, light to guide you and warmth to protect you. There it is. Let's notice a few things in this version. In this version, God is never pitted against Jesus. God and Jesus never set like this in this version. In this version... God never turns away from humanity. Now, humanity turns away from God, and I think we know from our own life and all the confession we did this morning that that sort of thing happens, and that's true. But God is not against us. In this version, Jesus doesn't come to placate God. He doesn't come to satisfy God's anger. 
He doesn't come to appease God who needs something paid. Jesus, in this picture, comes to reveal God, to show us who God is, to say, he who has seen me has seen the Father. God, in this version, is not swinging a belt at us, and Jesus jumps in our way to receive the lash. In this version, Jesus is showing us that God comes, that God is like Jesus. Unchanging God has always been like Jesus. There was never a time God wasn't like Jesus. We didn't always know that, but now through his revelation, we do. I want to ask you, when did you ever hear Jesus say to someone in the Gospels, you are so unholy, I can't look at you. You are so sinful, I can't come eat with you. I am so righteous, I cannot be in your presence. When did you ever hear Jesus say that? Even once. I don't think ever. Now, there were people running around in the gospel saying that, exactly that, right? There were people running around in our gospel story saying, you are so unholy, I can't look at you. You are so unrighteous, I cannot eat with you. If, if everyone knew what a sinner you were, they would avoid you like I do. Well, who was saying that? You know, who said that sort of thing? Pharisees. I want to submit to you that God is not like a Pharisee. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. For unchanging God, there was never a time God wasn't like Jesus. We didn't always know that. But now, we do. This is not the gospel. That means this is not good news. This is the gospel. That when we turn away from God, God comes. And when we rebel against God, God comes. When we get ourselves up to our necks in debt, God comes and says, I can change your heart about material things and set you free. When we get ourselves trapped in addiction, God comes and says, through confession and truth, you can be healed. When we hate other people and we're choked out by our own hate, God says, forgiveness is the way. You were forgiven. Follow me. When we get so caught up in being popular that we become not ourselves anymore, God comes and says, remember who I made you to be. When we crucify him on a cross, make fun of his claim to call himself king, God comes. And what's he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the good news. I think this is a healthier understanding of who God is, that God is like Jesus. God is always been like Jesus. There was never a time God wasn't like Jesus. We didn't always know that. But now through Jesus, we do. That is that. So I want to give you a few moments. What questions would you have about that? What challenges would you have to that? What concerns do you have about that? Don't make up one just to keep the conversation going. With several hundred people, we'll, we'll, we'll stay busy. Don't worry. 
but for you in your heart. You can write them on your card, hand them to the usher as you leave. You can go on the app, press forms, press questions about forgiveness, and type them in. And next week, we'll craft something based on your responses because this is the very foundation of the gospel. We've got to make it a strong foundation before we do all that we're going to do and make all the sacrifices we're going to make and reach out to your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors. We've got to make sure we understand the grace of God rightly so we're reaching them with the truth that sets us free. So let's get this have the questions and take them seriously. I'm going to give you just a few moments to do that, and then we'll continue in worship together. Thank you. You can keep doing that if you're not quite done. I'm really eager to see what happens here next week. Well, now it is time for us to celebrate communion. Another illustration, another symbol of this same story. Because we came into this service singing, I am a sinner. If it's not one thing, it's another. But Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. And he gave thanks, and when he broke it, he said, this bread is my body, and it is broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup. He said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death until I eat and drink it with you and my Father's kingdom. So we come forward and we tear off a piece of bread. We dip it in the cup. And we receive this into ourselves. This reminder that God comes. God comes. Let us stand together and we'll begin by praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. His disciples said, how should we pray? All the other disciples have a prayer. We want one too. And Jesus says, here's one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. The gifts of God for the people of God. Each day, may Christ be as real to us as this food and this drink. Come forward.